On the Empire Podcast this week, we're gadding about with the man with the most jovial name in Hollywood, Pixels, Josh Gad. Plus, the usual movie news and nonsense on the movie podcast had finally tracked down Spook Central in New York. You know what? It's not quite as impressive without that scary roof and the stone dogs and whatnot. Uh, hello, Pod. I'm Chris Hewitt, fresh and rejuvenated after a week spent inside a giant apple. And welcome to the Empire Podcast. Uh, joining me this week are two colleagues of such lethal cunning. And you know what? I've turned over a new leaf. Really? Yeah, I've decided not to pigeonhole you guys in the intros. Uh-huh. So I'm just going to... You know, there's so much more about you, Helen, than Supernatural and Dragons. So yeah. I'm I'm going to set you up with something, you know, that's, that, that speaks to who you are and not who I think you are. Right. Mm. Okay. Like... Please, please welcome our geek queen... Uh, who, what, topless Jared McNamara. <laughs> I don't know who that is. It's Helen O'Hara. Hello, she loves, she loves dragons. I really do. Yeah. Uh, um, the, thing, the thing about the toplessness, I'd just like to say, yeah. they almost never take their tops off in Supernatural. Right. Like, if just I was watching Arrow, which I have been, uh-huh. like, topless at least three times an episode. Yeah. But, okay. but Supernatural, you know. Does Jared McNamara ever take his shirt off in... Um, in Supernatural. Uh, Jensen Ackles uh, like has maybe like twice in the Jensen whole thing. Ackles. And, and Jared Padalecki. That's close about enough. the same, sure. Close enough. Uh, next up is our art house guru, a man who loves long walks in the park. In the and <laughs> as long as they're black and white parks. Mm. And like, don't, you don't like subtitles, do you, Phil? I mean, that, that, that's something that's... that's you, you like other things. What, what, what else do you like? You like... You can help me out here, Phil. When you say walk, you mean contemplative moment. And when you say park, you mean existential swamp, mind yeah. swamp. That's, that's pretty much it. It would help it's you filled, out. It's We're telling you about me, a man that you've known intimately for seven years. Whoa, in, enough of the Whoa. intimately. You're going you're gonna to start uh, podcast fan fiction uh, <laughs> soon enough. I that's like I haven't already written it. Please never show uh, us. It's Phil in. Hi, Chris. Hello, how are you? What was your most, uh, well, thanks. What was your most movie moment in New York? Uh, I got stabbed by Woody Allen. That was really weird. Wow. Um, no, I didn't really do like a movie, movie, movie thing. I really wanted to go to the Saturday Night Live exhibition. There's an exhibition at the moment going on over there, but uh, my, the two friends I was with didn't really want to do it. They weren't into SNL um, or, <laughs> or anything beginning with S. Um, but then I got, to, I got being tweeted by the SNL exhibition on Twitter going, please come, come to us, come to us. You might have to wonder how popular is it at the moment. Um, I saw a really cool Jurassic Park two-man show called Hold On To Your Butts, which is uh, not not everything was sex-related in New York, uh, but it was it was two guys recreating Jurassic Park with a, a couple of props and a Foley artist, and it was very, very funny. So uh, I think it's on a couple of dates throughout August, so if you want to go to The Pit in New York, it's uh, an improv comedy club called The Pit. Uh, go along there, and it, you, you can check out the website uh, when it's on, or Hold On To Your Butts is on uh, Twitter as... Re- reduced cutback? Well, no, recent cutbacks. Recent cutbacks. That's what they are on Twitter. Uh, but while I was there at the bar uh, waiting for the show to begin, Kevin McDonald was there. Ooh. Now, does that mean anything to anyone? Does that mean he's going to direct Jurassic World 2? It doesn't, sadly. Right. Oh. Uh, Kevin McDonald is one of the kids in the hall. Now, oh, does that mean anything to anyone? A different Kevin McDonald. A different Kevin McDonald. The Canadian The Northern Ireland centre-back. Yes. Him, uh, Kevin McDonald was in it was in the room. He was there recording a, a comedy album, and uh, he was just holding court in the bar afterwards. And uh, I was frozen by fear. I didn't want to go up to him because I know how bad my small talk can be. It's it's like this, but a million times worse. And uh, I just didn't I didn't do it. Have you ever done that? Have you ever seen someone famous and then yes. just not gone up to them, even though they've meant quite a lot to you since since childhood? Um, do you remember the year that Apollo was at the Empire Awards and I spent all night going, no, I can't, I can't go and talk to him. Apollo from Battlestar Galactica. Oh, which, uh, the, Jamie, the new one, Jamie Bamber. Bamber. Jamie yes. Bamber, yeah. I said, no, I can't, mm. I couldn't possibly. Uh, no. Best did you? Did you go up to him in the end? I did in the end say I very, very much liked Battlestar and he was, of course, a delight. But, mm-hmm. you know, I just, you know, it took me a long time. Okay. Uh, Phil. I think I said I like Battlestar. I could have said <laughs> <laughs> Apollo it's, Starbucks. It's so weird. I remember one time, um, uh, I'm more like this with musical heroes. Mm-hmm. I met Teenage Fan Club once, one of my favourite bands, at a signing in HMV, and I'm pretty sure I challenged them to a fight. Um, I just, <laughs> I can't remember what, I, I just, something takes leave of my body at that point, and I, I just spout nonsense uh, a bit like this as well. Phil, have you ever done that? you ever been paralysed by fear when when you encounter a celebrity in a in a place that you're not meant to? I do that in interviews, <laughs> to be honest. Oh, look at you. 
We're going um, to hear that later on, aren't we? <laughs> probably, yeah. Um, yeah, oh, yeah, regularly. When you see them in the wild all the time. <laughs> in the wild, they're yeah. natural habitats. All the time. It's interesting, isn't it, that if you see celebrities in the wild, you get a lot more starstruck than we do when we do it for our jobs. If you yeah. know that you're going to see somebody, then that's okay. If yeah. you just see somebody on the street... You, yeah, you get a bit discombobulated by the yeah. whole thing. That's what I always say. It's like you you're in a room with Brad Pitt doing an interview. You know, I mean, it's exciting. It's a big deal. Then you leave and you see Titch March walking on the street. <laughs> yeah, absolutely lose your shit. Yeah, Titch March. Mental. Is I've waved at least twice to Mike Lee, who I don't <laughs> think I've ever actually sat down and, and spoken to. But he's just one of those people that you think he's like the cuddly. Yes, the, the cuddly uncle. Mike oh, no. Lee is a cuddly uncle kind that you've of. always had, and you just you just think you know Mike Lee. So you walk past and you go, "Oh hi, hi Mike, how's it going?" And he's going, "What the fuck just happened?" <laughs> yes, um, he's a cuddly uncle who can transform into something dangerous and sinister. <laughs> he's like Mystique, Mike Steak. <laughs> <laughs> you know that thing where you see someone and you think that they're you can't work out if they're famous or they're a friend or they're famous, but you think they're a mate. Because yeah. you recognise them. Yeah. Or oh, there's someone you've seen on the TV. Yeah. And like changing rooms or something. Didn't we do that with Mark Gatiss recently? We saw him after leaving. <laughs> we were doing a podcast and I think we had to resist the urge to wave as well. Yes. It's like, how the hell would he know who we are? Exactly. He yeah. wouldn't. He wouldn't. We were walking through Soho and yeah. we saw him and we're like, oh, Mark Gatiss, hello. Yeah. It's like, oh, no. hey, Mark, how's it going? What are you doing? Let's hang out. Let's be friends. No, okay, bye. All right, cool. So this is a question that's been sent in uh, via Twitter by at M Avery. I think it's. Mike Avery, Michael Avery, begins with an M. Michael or Mark, I really should write this stuff down. Uh, but it's at M. Avery, 1986, and uh, he asks, what film in Empire Magazine's 50 worst films of all time mm. do you secretly like? Mine, <laughs> and this is M. Avery, not me, mine has to be White Chicks, hashtag Terry Crews is a legend, <laughs> which he is. He is. I mean, is. that's undeniable. I'm not sure that he can single-handedly save white chicks because there are limits even to Terry Crews' immense abilities. Mm. Um, I was looking through that list and, and there's, not, there's not much in the way of, of mm. redeeming features. Shall we explain what the list is, first of all? It's yes. fairly self-explanatory, but how long ago was this? A few years ago, a few it's years a f- ago. It's a few years ago now. We did a 50 worst films of all time And this list. is a reader poll, isn't it? I would not have put the Pink Panther 2 on that list if it had been me. Mm-hmm. <gasps> just saying okay so, so you, I don't think we did it number one list is Batman and Robin yeah you know what that's one of the ones that I would be more likely to sit through if I had a bunch of friends around and we were throwing popcorn at the TV mm-hmm. I could see myself watching Batman and Robin again mm-hmm. whereas some of the ones on that list like Soul Plane nothing could prevail upon me to watch that again that was the most offensive <laughs> irredeemable unfunny piece of crap I've ever seen you liked it then? I did, yeah. Okay. Um, so something like, for me, it would be Batman and Robin or Van Helsing. Mm-hmm. Um, Van Helsing, because I feel like there was a good idea somewhere in there that they totally squandered. And, you know, Hugh Jackman, so it's not totally unwatchable. No, no, it's it's not. Also, I was on set of that film. I kind of have a soft spot for it, even though it's total bobbins. Do you know um, you have a, a different tone of voice for talking about Hugh Jackman than anything else? <laughs> You'll be like... And then this happens, and that happens, and then Hugh Jackman arrives. <laughs> and then this happens, and that happens. When is that started? I don't this know. This is a new development. Look, you're doing it again. You have one for thinking was, about him, which is just a ten, a ten or higher. Does that happen for the rest of us? Whenever Bring I it speak, back. Whenever I think about Hugh Jackman, I mean, I don't know. Does my oh, voice change? Or well, you know, the, the brandy pause. Oh, back God. to the program. Yes. Um, what's, can, what film do you think doesn't belong on this list, Chris? Uh, I, I'll be honest. I think number six on the list... And you'll agree with this, I think, Phil, as well. <laughs> is is Heaven's Gate? Yeah. Now, technically, that's number six and seven. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell is that doing on that list? I don't know. I well, me and Nick watched it for the first time recently, mm-hmm. and it does not belong on that list. And it has had a massive critical reappraisal. Weirdly, mm. since that list, I think prompted by that list, <laughs> but it's happened yeah. since it was re-released yeah. and remastered. Um, Michael Cimino's epic follow-up to The Deer Hunter, this is, of course, which flopped very hard. It's very long. You could probably cut a day and a half out of it easily, (laughs) but it is a masterful film, and it certainly doesn't belong on this list. But I guess because it's a polarizer, that's why it found its way on there. I wonder how many of the people who voted for it had seen it. You know, no disrespect, but I feel like a lot of people hadn't seen it and had just heard it described as the worst film of all time. Mm. Um, So... Yeah, I mean, that's probably an unfair one, you're right. Is it one of the most disastrous shoots of all time? Yes, I mean, in terms of how, you know, overblown it got and whatnot, but 
I don't know. It's not the sixth worst film of all time. That's that's pretty ridiculous. Um, I checked the list yesterday, so I'm, I can't quite remember for sure, but I don't think, for example, something like Ishtar, again, which doesn't deserve to be on the list, but I'm surprised that something like Ishtar isn't on the list, mm. whereas something like Heaven's Gate is, and is so high up as well. I kind of took yeah. me by surprise. And then um, Raise the Titanic was there, so I do feel like you know yeah, there was a little yeah. bit of films reputed to be disasters making the list rather than necessarily the films that were mm. totally awful. Uh, it, it's it's kind of hard for me. That, that's the one that stands out. Otherwise, it is a series of just one-star clunkers. Yeah. yeah. Wait, hold on. Did I read the wrong list, or is Sex Lives and Videotape on there? No. Um, no, Sex, sex Lives th- of the Potato Men. <laughs> 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 really? Very different film. Oh, totally my eyesight. <laughs> that is a different film. That one didn't didn't storm Cannes in No, 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 I don't believe okay. it did, no. All right. But it is dreadful. I mean, you know, there's Love Guru... Plan 9 from Outer Space is on there again. And again, you might have to wonder if that's one that people have just put in there based on yeah, reputation I'd, alone. Yeah, I'd sit down and watch that. White Chicks is number 17, by the way. Just ahead of uh, Dreamcatcher, which has a decent first act and then falls apart in spectacular fashion. And is Timothy Oliphant. Oh, oh, there's another ch- change of voice, sir. <laughs> that's, no, that that's, one was not, deliberate. that's not worth mentioning. Uh, yeah. not, not Jason Lee? No. No? Not Damien Lewis? Maybe. Donnie Wahlberg? No. Okay. Stop objectifying men. I know. I know. I'm so it's sorry. disgraceful, isn't it? I it's took. I, I, I leave the pod for one week. <laughs> <laughs> the Pink Panther two mm-hmm. on a massive uh, godson and friend's birthday outing when mm-hmm. he was about se- six, seven, with his dad and me, and and his dad and me were the only people that were laughing. The kids <laughs> emerged from that film ashen faced, <laughs> like they just sat through Heaven's Gate. Um, but I've thought it made me laugh a couple of times. <laughs> God help it. I just think Steve Martin's funny, even in terrible films. Yeah, pretty much. There's a bit where, is it Dreyfus, his boss, is like, right, you have to fly to Tokyo tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And he stops and, and, and he goes, but that cannot fly. <laughs> 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 I was just pissing myself. All right, fair I enough. Yeah, I don't know. That's not very funny, but I, I was laughing. That's pretty funny. I thought it was funny. That's pretty funny. Anyway, that would take it off the list for me. Isn't that Dre- isn't uh, Dreyfus now played by John Cleese? Because John yes. Kevin Klein didn't come back. That's right, John yeah. Cleese. Yeah, so John Cleese and Steve Martin in the scene together. You can't put that on the list of the 50 worst films ever made, can you? No, no. you can't. Also, it's a Harold Swart film, and <laughs> the man, everything the man touches turns to gold. So you just you can't. <laughs> just based on that alone. <coughs> what? And nothing, I just had a... You're right. In my throat, yeah, I'm fine. Okay, okay. Just, I'm worried you just you. had a turkey in your throat? <laughs> <laughs> what did I, I just saw something on there that I don't think quite deserved to be on the list. Hang on, let me just double check what it was. I'm, I'm at the mercy of our incredibly slow internet connection and the fact my iPad is just frozen. So I can't remember what it was. Uh, oh yeah, Scary Movie. That's not that bad. The first C- one? Yeah. Compared to, in fact, you know, compared, compared to... Compared to like Scary Movie 4. Yeah, and compared to the, uh, the wake of dreadful parodies that it... Um, Unleashed. Many of which are on the list, and deservedly yes. so. Yeah, um, the, yeah, that's probably fair. Yeah, all right. So I think we've exhausted that question. Showgirls. Where? Showgirls, over there. You'd watch Through it. the window. Uh, no, that's on the list. Does that belong on the list? Strangely, Eden, which is fantastic and everyone should go and see, which we talked about last week, mm. um, was has a scene where they sit around and watch Showgirls and somebody says, listen, you've misinterpreted what Verhoeven's doing with this film. So if it's... <laughs> depends how you come at it, really. If you think it's a serious movie, then I guess it belongs on uh, Otherwise, no. Okay, okay. Okay, if you want to have your question read out on the Empire Podcast, then you can tweet us. Uh, we're at Empire Magazine. Use the hashtag Empire Podcast, or chances are we won't see it. And uh, you can also Facebook us, where we're Empire Magazine, and you can email us, podcast at empireonline.com. All right, so um, it's time for some movie news. And I believe there is some. I believe which, there which is. is good. Yes. What's, what's happening this week? What's, what's, which what's, is always a, always a bonus. What's um, the haps, daddy <laughs> Wow, you're so up to the minute. Uh, well, something we're going to talk about, obviously, in the review section is Mission Impossible Rogue Nation. Mm-hmm. And Tom Cruise says they are already planning uh, Mission Impossible 6, as it won't be called. Um, they are apparently, according to Tom Cruise, talking to John Stewart on The Daily Show, uh, they're starting work already and they're hoping to shoot next summer, which is a pretty fast turnaround, actually. The, the franchise has tended to be a little bit more spaced out than that. So yeah. that's, uh, that's an interesting... Uh, interesting decision and also a, a sign of, I think, deserved confidence in this film and its prospects because I think it's very good. Spoiler for the reviews section. Oh my god! So, uh, so yeah. So he's apparently already working on it. He says we. I assume that means with Chris McQuarrie, who's uh, a regular co- collaborator now with Tom Cruise. Mm-hmm. Obviously directed this one. 
Um, I would be interested to see if he's the first director to return to the franchise. That would be intriguing. It would be intriguing. Um, as much as I, spoiler alert, like Mission Impossible Rogue Nation, I'd kind of like to see them continue the uh, tradition, the tradition of a, a new yeah. director. But I he might still a... write, produce, whatever. So Yeah, indeed. I mean, not not. I think it became a tradition by, by accident rather yeah. than by design but still yeah that'd be that'd be very very cool but yeah two so if they start filming next summer it'll be out 2017 yeah so two years between you know usually it's like five or three or six years between films okay all right why not but you know bring me my next jack reacher film (laughs) bring it to me i just read the new one (gasps) did you bring it with me the latest one did i bring it with me with you for me uh i may have done i may have done uh, you know, do you want me to do you want me to give it to you? Yes. Make and me. by that, I mean, oh, that's the name of the new Jack Reacher book. People, we're not getting yes. into so, rude talk. Yeah, isn't it? No sex stuff on the Empire <laughs> podcast. Anyway, that's for sure. So, so another Mission Impossible. Presumably, then they're looking at 2017. I mean, this is like such early days. Anything could happen. Anything could go wrong. And usually, and does. probably will. But it is, uh, it is looking uh, confident and uh, hopeful. So that's nice. It's looking feral and strong. It is. Speaking of things looking feral and strong, Helen, how does your change voiceometer uh, go, uh, go for Chris Pine? It kind of goes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it kind of does. Hello. Yeah. Hello. Uh, and he's going to be. Yeah. Steve Trevor. He is going to be Steve Trevor. (laughs) So he is now confirmed. This has been rumoured for quite some time. Uh, He's going to be Wonder Woman's love interest. Um, A a couple of people were saying on my, you know, feminist heavy uh, Twitter feed yesterday that they would quite Do you have a special feminist heavy Twitter account? (laughs) <laughs> no, this, like I, I have just, a special separate account for Liverpool Football I know Club. You do, do you yeah. have a separate no, one for that's that's my main account okay. to be honest. but uh, but several people were sort of saying that they would like to see him sort of you know screaming and having to be rescued uh, throughout the film and not really do anything else I and think... then be described as a strong male character <laughs> comes out. I think that would be genuinely brilliant can he run away from danger with like <laughs> big heavy DMs on or something and something like that. That would yeah. be, be quite fun. I think they've 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 signed him up because he's probably one of the few he's a really good actor, Chris Pine. I think yeah, he is. He, he gets pigeonholed as this, you know, hunk. But he's really, really good. Uh so I he he might be one of the few actors in Hollywood who can actually pull off saying the words, Hi, I'm Steve Trevor without <laughs> without A him dissolving into fits of laughter or B the audience doing so as That's well. That's true. So. He sounds like is he gonna be revealed to be the Mandarin halfway through this? He's I mean, got that kind of like generic Trevor Slattery type air to him. Tell me who he is. Mm. Well, he's basically he genuinely is sort of Wonder Woman's love interest in the in the comics in the in history. He he started off in the comics as a crashed uh, World War Two pilot or officer um, who lands on Parad- what was then called Paradise Island, what is now generally known as the Miscreant. Oh, yeah. um, and and that was sort of Diana's first contact with a human male, and she was intrigued by this species and decided to I mean, just, travel know, from her. You start with a doozy, don't you? <laughs> 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 Imagine if I'd landed the island. <laughs> the only well, way is up. <laughs> she's got to be really disappointed when she gets to the mainland. It's like, what? They're not all like this? Are you kidding me? Slightly <laughs> depressed woman arrives. <laughs> Wow. When she does come into a world where Ben Affleck and Henry Cavill are walking around thrusting their nipples at each other, so I think that's... Which I understand is a plot of Batman v Superman. I believe I it is, yeah. That's it, yeah. So, yeah, she's she's very much much of a muchness yeah. going on. Yeah. So, anyway, so he'll be appearing opposite, obviously, Gal Gadot's Wonder Woman for director Paddy Jenkins. We're still waiting on more details than that, mm-hmm. uh, but it's due in 2017, so I would expect them in the fairly near future. Indeed. Horror legend, yes. play carrier, and oh. cosplay inspiration. Nosferatu is coming ah. back to the screen. See Phil's voice changed when he said that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when I said play carrier. Um, yes, he's coming back. This is, this is Robert Eggers, who has been impressing people with his film The Witch. And there's going to be a new adaptation of the film that I guess was first made famous by F.W. Murnau back in 1922. Mm-hmm. That's on YouTube, I believe. Murnau's lawyers will be in touch, but have a look. <laughs> have a look at that. It's, it's a, it's, it's a, not just a great movie, but uh, a very, very influential one. And I think it obviously influenced Werner Herzog's um, redo, kind of, a different <laughs> yeah. adaptation. And probably the Far Show sketch with Monster Monster. <laughs> <laughs> I think it probably so did. The three great, the three greats of the <laughs> so, horror. So that's the only things that've influenced. Yeah, well, and obviously virtually every other horror yeah. ever made. Yeah. So. But also like Shadow of the Vampire, which was the sort of tongue-in-cheek making of where they... They theorised that Max Schreck, who played Nosferatu, was actually a vampire. Mm. Yes. Which is a brilliant film if you haven't seen it. I, I definitely me- re- 
recommend checking that out because it's bags yes. of fun. And what we do in the shadows, obviously. And what we year. do in the shadows. All yeah. those films, are, you know, wouldn't be around without the first Nosferatu, and they're going to remake it. Uh, we don't know very great deal more at this point other than um it's going to be written and directed by eggers and watch this space um uh, something else that kind of crept on can i say two more things about yeah that? no of course mm. two, say all, three things say 23 things well i'm going to stop it too anyway but in his um, own voice it, i'm not sure i can do that uh it, the first thing is that this was apparently the first um instance of a vampire who died after being exposed to sunlight that was not part of um the original sort of dracula novel and it was introduced here the second part of course was that this was a completely unauthorized completely copyright right breaching adaptation of dracula by any other name and um, they were actually sued for it so it's interesting that we're now re- remaking the you know slightly unauthorized dracula mm. when we've recently at least failed utterly to make a decent dracula i wonder if they're going to go young and sexy nosferatu <laughs> untold that could be quite cool yeah you know get a young sex maybe a, i don't know Hugh Jackman type to Gosh. run around taking a shirt off mm. you know well, I, don't, I, don't know, I don't have anything beyond that no to oh. reveal that he's covered in plague rats <clears throat> I mean how sexy <laughs> can you get with this guy he's got fingers like like sausages pointy <laughs> sausages mm. if you say one more horror fact about this Mm-hmm. Kim Newman will appear <laughs> in a puff of smoke. I thought that was only if we said his name three times while looking in a mirror. I've crossed oceans of time to correct your review of Nosferatu. <laughs> yes. Um, I apologise, Kim, if I've got anything wrong. Yeah. Uh, yeah, apologies, Kimothy. Well, That's good. A, a, a really interesting story, which seems to have crept slightly under the radar a little bit, is that Mel Gibson. Mm-hmm. He's back, back, back. He's back, 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 back. He's behind the cameras and he's back in his native land, Australia, shooting uh, a new war movie, a new war drama called Hacksaw, Hack, Hacksaw Ridge, mm. uh, which is hard to say. <laughs> Harder to say than it looks. That won't be the tagline. Uh, that's in New <laughs> South Wales this September. And he's, he's got a big cast behind him. He's got Andrew Garfield, of course. Uh, not of course, necessarily. Of course, <laughs> of course. Of course, Andrew Garfield is in this film. I mean, why wouldn't he be? Because of the, the famous Andrew Garfield yeah. relationship that's been going on for years. Of course, Andrew Garfield. If you look back at all Mel Gibson's yes. films, you can see <laughs> Andrew, Andrew Garfield, Garfield getting appear as a child. For, like, just subliminally for six frames. Who in each, is he in, in Braveheart? Movie. Is he in the van that appears in that? <laughs> He is in that continue. He is the van, <laughs> Spider Van. Uh, oh. Sam Worthy, sorry, Sam Worthington, Vince Vaughn, um, and <laughs> and uh, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's obviously a, a a sort of prestigious cast, and it's a war movie set around the Battle of Okinawa. Oh, um, so I guess there's a rich history of setting Pacific War type movies on the east coast of Australia, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. this will follow in their footsteps. Mel Gibson is, for all his well publicised woes a, a very talented filmmaker yeah. obviously with Apocalypto and Braveheart etc so yeah com- a complicated one presumably as it unfolds because he's carrying some some you know some some noise around with him these days but uh-huh. interesting to see that you know he's still got the clout within Hollywood to get you know what looks like potentially quite an expensive movie made um, we're talking 65 million dollars so yeah so that's an interesting one and I was I was I'm surprised it hasn't been more widely reported that he's you know back in back in the game what's interesting about this i'm going to throw this open for speculation is that this is based on a true story and as you said and andrew garfield plays a guy called desmond doss who was a conscientious objector now is that where the phrase to doss comes from i wonder no, that comes from doss houses in the 19th century. There you go. I'm sorry for ruining your joke <laughs> no, with... No, it's not a joke. Fact. I was genuinely Wait, hold on a second. This is a man who is involved in one of the most bloody battles in the history of the planet. I, he was, I mean, that would change the whole meaning of the word to doss, wouldn't it? Yeah, but maybe it became, I don't know. I was just, I was just wondering. No, you're I right. I apologise. I didn't mean to be so, so condemnatory of your... Of you. Bullshit theory. Of <laughs> That's fine. But it's he fine. was, yeah, he it's was a fine. medic and he, you know, he was given the Congressional Medal of Honor for his heroics. So it's a, yeah. wow. what, Mel Gibson obviously made the, um... Gallipoli back in the day. Well, he was in Gallipoli, but I was going to say he made oh, right. the Vietnam, the heroic Vietnam. We were soldiers. So it, it's got a slightly... He didn't direct that, did he? I thought no. that was John no. Woo. <clears throat> no, that was, um... It wasn't John Woo. That was Randall Hopkirk deceased. No, that, that was, uh... <laughs> yeah, that was Randall Wallace. Should we just... Yeah. Great, 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 great,
Yeah. I, I think Mel Gibson's a fantastic director. And uh, I know that, you know, I, ooh, I'm shaking my fist at him, obviously, because, God, oh, pitchforks. But, uh, yeah, it'd be good to see it behind the camera. Or you can do yeah. less damage. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, should we move on? Probably best. <laughs> it's probably for the best. What have we got? Hey, Toronto. Phil's just handed me a piece of paper saying Toronto on it. Um, so uh, Toronto hasn't announced its entire lineup, but the Toronto International Film Festival kicks off in September. There's a whole bunch of film festivals in September. There's Telluride, there's Venice. But Toronto is, I think, rapidly becoming uh, probably the biggest noise of the September festivals. Uh, mm. So there's a whole bunch of uh, movies have just announced that are going to play premiering in there. Uh, so you've got Ridley Scott's The Martian, Yay. which is... Uh, hopefully going to be brilliant uh, Michael Moore's new documentary uh, which mm. was completely previously unannounced apparently called uh, Where to Invade Next I think, I've got a feeling it might be political no. I don't know you guys but it might be um, uh, a film I'm really intrigued by Roland Emmerich's uh, smallest film in, in in years I guess Anonymous Helen one of your favourite films uh, is um, <laughs> shit is, oh, hey what um, just Ooh. something in my throat again you okay yeah I think I'll be alright you should get that checked out. I will. Possibly by a hunky doctor. <laughs> Roland Emmerich Stonewall, which is about the fight for gay rights in 1960s New York. That's going to be there as well. There's going to be a whole bunch of other stuff as well. Free Held uh, with Julianne Moore and Steve Carell. That's going to be that's going to be there as well. As is Tom Hooper's The Danish Girl. With Eddie so, Redmayne. With Eddie Redmayne. Interesting. Um, and Alicia, Alicia Vikander. <clears throat> and Alicia Vikander. Is she in everything else as well? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there's a whole ton of stuff. Stephen Frears, uh, the program, which is about Lance Armstrong, with Ben Foster's Lance Armstrong, Chris O'Dowd as the journalist, David Walsh, who started the, uh, the, the ball rolling in the, uh, in the Lance Armstrong downfall. And there's a whole ton of other stuff. There's Legend, there's Lenny Abraham's new film with, uh, called Room. Tons of stuff. Yeah, but I think that's a really good lineup, and this is just the beginning, and uh, Fitness's lineup will be coming soon, and there's obviously, you know, there's other things as well. Beasts of No Nation with uh, Idris Elba, uh, directed by Kari Fukunaga. I've never been to Toronto Film Festival. I've been to Toronto a few times in one of my mm. favourite cities, but yeah, we should go. We should do a live podcast there. Let's go! Let's do it. Oh, that would be we'll amazing. On the street because there, no one would be interested in us while we're there. <laughs> but, you know, we should just, you know, just take to the streets and, and busk one. That'd be awesome. Uh, anything else going on in the world of movie movies? Um, there's a little tiny bit of news just very quickly to mention. Mm-hmm. Tommy Lee Jones is apparently up for the next Bourne movie. This is the one that, of course, sees the return of uh, Paul Greengrass, of Matt Damon, Julia Stiles has also been announced, and uh, and now Tommy Lee Jones as well. So we're presuming or guessing, if you like, that he's going to be some kind of like CIA-type, officer-type official type you know i mean because he like he's he's in the sort of the realm of the brian Coxes, you know isn't he that, that we've yes. seen in previous films and one would imagine that he will fulfill a similar role but who knows maybe he'll be running around and giving Bourne a, a literal run for his money uh, does tommy lee jones have a, have a history of hunting people down on the big screen before i don't i don't no, think I, i've I seen don't anything think, i don't think he's ever done that no, no. what else there's one other thing i wanted to talk about before we get into talking uh, plugging shamelessly the new issue uh, which is now on sale. Uh, and that is, you just see the story this week that uh, William Hill, which is a bookmaker in the UK, if you don't know that, uh, have suspended betting on <laughs> the new Bond theme, the Spectre theme, being recorded by Radiohead. <laughs> yeah. Because uh, a punter went into a, a William Hill shop and tried to put down 15 grand on Radiohead and someone at William Hill went, hi, hon, that's either you're deranged or you have inside information so we think the Radiohead are, are in the running so we're going we're gonna to stop the betting now in case we lose millions um, now that's kind of what do we think about that? I mean to be honest there's probably a massive overlap in Radiohead fans and Bond fans you know so you can see it kind of making sense and it's mm-hmm. not like they haven't used sort of you know bands before as opposed to like big Belting True. singers. But Radiohead? I mean, I love Radiohead, but they, you know, and you could kind of maybe see them doing a Bond theme around the time of the Bends, maybe, and maybe, maybe OK Computer. But since then, they've gone a little bit. Yeah. Haven't they? And I just wonder no. that that's going to be a little bit. You know, What's happened imagine, to them? You can imagine like an opening <laughs> sequence, you know, the Bond is yeah. leaping away from the explosion, and then, and then the, the screen fills with. That would be good, wouldn't it? That was, I mean, that would, that is stunning. What I would listen to that. That? <laughs> that was my best Tom York. 
Yeah, they could do one of the like kid A glitchy numbers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if anyone just you know jumps to this bit of the podcast, they're going to think that their computers or whatever are broken. Jimmy, that, that was my experience listening to the most recent Radiohead album. So, <laughs> oh, he has claws. He has claws. This one, um, but yeah, I think that. Yeah, I don't think that's there's any credence in that. Got two. <laughs> <laughs> Haven't there been rumors of someone else being involved as well? Well, Sam Smith was a heavy favorite, yes. first of all. And then Ellie Goulding apparently uh, has been tweeting and Instagramming lots of little cryptic hints. Like she's, she tweeted herself leaving Abbey Road Studios, which is where Thomas Newman is currently recording the score of Respecter. And then you have, uh, she tweeted like randomly a couple of weeks ago, "Live and let die." Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so you know Ellie Goulding, Radiohead. I mean, you know, I'm, I was only kidding about the last Radiohead album. I'm a big fan of Radiohead, but um, don't ask me to name their last album. But um, yeah, I you know, I just I just don't see that being a fit for me in terms of bond. I guess we'll just have to see. The more interesting question is what rhymes with Spectre? Spectre, Spectre. Run away, Tax, tax, wow. government, government. Hang on. Have you actually already heard it? That is uncanny. Let's just say, Helen, I, I have life savings that amount to £15,000 <laughs> and I recently went into bookmakers because I lost all leave of my senses. <laughs> I plunked it down in cash and I went, Stop it! You're ruining Radiohead for me now. Stop it. Or am I? Or am I? Because or are you both it's, it's so spot on. Oh, yeah. I like Radiohead. Yeah, you, had good pun, good. You? you had a good pun, didn't you? No. Oh, okay. I didn't. I had all time high and dry. There we go. That's terrible. That was worth waiting for. Thanks. <laughs> right, the new issue of Empire is on sale. I apologise to all, um, everyone <laughs> for that, by the way. Um, good news. The new issue of Empire is now on sale. It is now on uh, newsstands in all good and evil and undecided news agents. It is available on the iPad. Is it on the Android yet? It is, isn't it? We're on the Android, aren't we? Let's say yes. <laughs> and then uh, not... You know, answer any of the angry tweets. Paranoid Android. <laughs> <laughs> hmm? Do you expect me to talk? <laughs> anyway, uh, so in it we have tons of stuff. The cover feature is uh, Batman v Superman, uh, colon, Dawn of Justice. We don't have the colon in the cover. What's going on with that? <laughs> That's kind of freaked me out after all the, the last few months. Uh, so in it, Ian Nathan, uh, who is our uh, grand poobah, uh, he uh, went on the set of Zack Snyder's movie and he spent a couple of days there and he hung out with Henry Cavill and Ben Affleck and there was lots of shirts being taken off and, and sweat and they went, Ian, can you put your shirt back on? It's it's really not becoming of a film journalist. What are you doing? <laughs> uh, so there's really, really great access and there are some new pictures which I think some of which have been online uh, we, we put online earlier on this week. Uh, interviews with Henry Cavill, Zack Snyder, uh, Ben Affleck. It's really, really good stuff. Uh, and alongside that is a kind of Comic-Con roundup. Uh, Phil, This is really good stuff, Chris. It, it is, isn't it, Phil? Really good stuff. <laughs> it's really good stuff. So we, uh, we went to Comic-Con, but we didn't just... Because uh, we wouldn't do that to you guys. We, wouldn't, we didn't just recycle stuff from the panels and whatnot. No. No. No, we no. We didn't. We went out of our way and we spoke to people and we got new pictures and new takes and sideways glances and all that sort of stuff so there's there are new pictures there for X-Men Apocalypse there's new pictures for Deadpool new interviews with Brian Singer Guillermo del Toro talking about Crimson Peak we have uh, Bruce Campbell talking about Ash versus Evil Dead Duncan Jones talking about Warcraft and his new movie we've got Pride and Prejudice and Zombies Ed Skrine who is the new transporter we have new stuff on the the very new Pixar short which is Sanjay's super team which is going to be with the, the Good Dinosaur later this year we have uh, Hunger Games stuff in there, Force Awakens stuff, and uh, tons of other things as well. Plus, uh, we have Michael B. Jordan talking Creed. We have Tim Bevan talking about uh, Tom Hardy and Legend. We have features on Straight Out of Compton, which Ice Cube liked so much. This is a true story that he asked for permission to tweet tweet about it before the issue went in sale. So yesterday, Ice Cube. Ice Cube, formerly of the Empire <laughs> Podcast, of course. Of course, the live one. The live Empire Podcast, ish, uh, episode 100, if you want to go back and listen to it. I don't do a Tom York impression on that one. You might be delighted to know. Um, tweeted, tweeted at us. Ice Cube tweeted us. I mean, what, what's going on? That's amazing. He called it yeah. the bomb. Didn't he eat the bomb? He, yes, he did. He called it, yeah. The piece is the bomb. It is. This piece is the bomb. Uh, what else do we have in there? We have uh, Amy Schumer 
who is uh, fantastic and this is in many ways her year and Trainwreck is coming up very, very soon. And we did a, a wonderful shoot and interview with uh, Amy Schumer, which you can see in the magazine as well. There's a great backstory about the Ewok movies, the... the uh, Caravan of Courage! Yeah, the Yay. largely forgotten Caravan of Courage. And I the remember. For Endor. We, yeah, we remember. We yeah, know. We, we know. do. Yeah. Uh, there's a feature on Maze Runner, The Scorch Trials, Me and Earl and the Dying Girl, that's in there as well. Uh, we choose our 15 smartest cameos. And there's a really interesting career retrospective. Uh, Jonathan Demme uh, talks to Ian Nathan. This is very much an Ian Nathan issue. He is on every page, uh, sometimes hidden within a pixel. But, uh, but there you go. It's, it's, a, it's a cracking issue. Plus... All the usual movie reviews and all that sort of jazz, and that's yeah. There you go. So that's and then there's a poster for Everest in the back as well. So you, you don't get that anywhere else. That's good stuff. Yeah, it is. That is good stuff. Oh, oh, and I forgot to mention the cover as well. So we got Batman, Superman, right? Yeah. But it's a two-pronged cover. So if you lift up the first flap of the cover, you also <gasps> get to see uh, Ben Affleck as. I believe it's Bruce Wayne, is this right? And uh, Henry Cavill as Clark Kent. Now, why did they tra- cast the same actor as Bruce Wayne and Batman? What's the thinking there? Is it just saving money? I think it is. It's a, it's a union thing. Oh, yeah. interesting. Okay. It's uh, something to do. And also, they've got the same actor playing Clark, Clark Kent. And... Uh, that's that. weird. And Superman. No, wait, he looks nothing like him. Because Clark Kent has uh, glasses. And Superman clearly doesn't. So. Oh, uh, also Clark Kent has a uh, has an overcoat. Yeah, and so. Superman has a cape. I mean, they they look nothing alike. Yeah, it must must be weird. I don't know. It must be a weird thing going on there. Um, we'll, we'll we'll find out when the movie's out next March. Next March, the movie's out. That's a lot of movie news, and that's a lot of stuff inside the new issue of Vampire. Uh, Creed, I'm massively excited about. Massively excited about. Oh, and this month's pint of milk is Jason Fleming. It's very Ooh, funny. Interesting. Very funny as well. Jack Whitehall's in there as well. That's good stuff. Bridge of Spies, we've got a picture for that. Jonathan Price's uh, this month's Best of Times, Worst of Times. He was very funny in that as well. Okay, well, that's the movie news. Thanks so much for that, guys. Okay, so up next is this week's guest, uh, who has a first name that means to chaff, banter in a teasing way. I looked it up on the online dictionary. And a surname that means... Um, to move restlessly and aimlessly from one place to another. So when Josh Gad came into the pod booth last week, we expected tons of banter while he squirmed around in his seat. And we weren't disappointed, at least for the first half of that equation. Gad is, of course, one of the most notable singers in movies today. He's the voice of Olaf and Frozen. He'll be seen next year in Beauty and the Beast. And he originated the role of Elder Cunningham in Book of Mormon on Broadway, which I saw again when I was in New York last week. He wasn't in it, though. He's moved on to uh, other things. He's also very, very funny. He's now manning up and starring in the Adam Sandler comedy Pixels, which will be out on August 12th. And he was speaking to Mr. Phil. Enjoy. Very thrilled and delighted to be joined by Josh Gad on the Empire podcast this week to talk about pixels. Yes. And also, hopefully, to bring back the summer. I don't know if you have that power. I personally don't, nor does my character in Frozen, actually. I, just by virtue of his association with Elsa, m- maybe he could convince her. I don't know. I don't know if she's pass- passing through Britain or not these days. I don't know what her schedule is. I imagine not. There's probably too much, too much to be done here at the moment. It's miserable outside. Um, you've been over before we get onto pixels. Mm-hmm. Just to reverse engineer things, you've been working on Beauty and the Beast. Yes, uh, I've been shooting Beauty and the Beast at your uh, beautiful Shepperton Studios, and uh, I mean, I just absolutely love working here. I, I think it's the most incredible place. Um, everybody's just so lovely and wonderfully accommodating and uh, friendly, uh, and I'm, I'm going to miss it. I'm actually. Really? Wrapping up friendly. three months. I do. I've, I think that... People say we're a bit frosty sometimes, the English. I have not found that at all. How dare you insult my hosts like this? But I... Oh, yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. You feel ch- chastised. The British people are as wonderful as they are in, in the movie Mary Poppins. And there is... <laughs> They're all Americans. <laughs> it's... Uh, it, no, it really has been just the most fantastical time and... And Beauty and the Beast, um, which isn't coming out for two years, sadly, is uh, has been one of the true highlights of my career in terms of you know projects that I've worked on. I, I think it's going to be very special. 
You worked with one of our favourite co-English people, Dan Stevens, mm. on this. Did he get? He's a very passionate cricket fan. Did he? Did he try and explain? He tried the game? to take me to a cricket game, did he? and I was out of town. I was in Bath, and and I wanted to go so badly. We did go to Wimbledon together, which is not quite as British, I think, as oh, Wimbledon is. But tennis, I you know, I play in this. Yeah. I, I watch in the states. I don't play any sports, but I watch it in the states. But um, he did. He tried to get me to a, a game. Uh, from day one, I gave him grief about him leaving Downton Abbey. Uh, I was very upset. That ruined my Christmas like a lot of other people. Really? It did. I was just like, wait a second. I've tuned in to see these two end up together, and this is how it ends. What did you say to him? What was your abuse? I was just like, why are you so selfish? What about the needs of the many, Dan? Yeah. What about the needs of the many? I think that's like the equivalent of, of his Olaf. Like, he's carrying this thing around with him that everyone wants to talk to him about. Yes, but give I... Him, but the difference being that they want to give him abuse. Yeah, And in your case, true. they just want to share the love. They just want to show me hugs, which is also as traumatic, actually. You're getting a bit over the hugs. It's just, it's, it's an invasion of personal <laughs> space when you're a perfect stranger. <laughs> okay, well, I'm going to knock that question off at the end. <laughs> that sounds like fun. Uh, just lastly on that film, I mean, obviously you mentioned it's not for another two years, a live-action Beauty and the Beast. Right. We've obviously had La Belle and La Bette, but we know it probably best as a Disney animation. Yeah. You're Le Feu. I'm Le Feu. Le Feu. He's, a, he's known as a bit of a bumbler. How does that manifest in your, in your, um, in your interpretation? reinterpreted it a little bit actually we didn't want I didn't when I signed on to do it one of the things that I was very really certain of was that I didn't want it to just be a carbon copy of the character from the movie so I think hopefully he's a lot more dimensionalized since it is a uh, a live action movie uh, and I think that that goes for the entire movie itself is I think that th what came before us is so iconic and classic that you can't just regurgitate it you need to give it its own new wrinkles to surprise audiences, and I, I think the movie has that in abundance. Lovely cast, too, with Sir Ian McKellen. And Emma Ooh, McKellen. beautiful cast. Uh, Ewan McGregor, Ian Sir Ian McKellen, Emma Thompson, Stanley Tucci, uh, Emma Watson, of course, Luke Evans, who does play Gaston, is just going to steal every scene. He, he's incredible in it. Everybody's just amazing. Pixels is coming really soon, and, and this is what we're here to talk about. And Pixels is, it has the, 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 the space high concept of an alien invasion that sort of manifests. It's like sort of War of the Worlds meets Space Invaders. Right. The aliens come, and you play Ludlow, who we meet as a kid. Right. He's a keen gamer. Ludlow Lemonsoff, he's a keen gamer, he's also a massive conspiracy theorist and an unhinged personality. He sort of can explode at uh, any given moment, which is one of the things that I think comedically attracted me to, to the character. And uh, he, you know, he's the first one to recognize these patterns that these aliens are coming down, taking on the forms of video game characters, which, by the way, I've done research this could happen. It's it's not likely, but it could happen. This is a prospect that I wasn't braced for. <laughs> we deal with a lot of rain here. I'm not expecting like the Street Fighter Two characters to come from the yeah, sky. You never know. Well, okay, and if it were to happen, what would be your dream scenario in terms of uh, an arcade game coming to life? I would say that hopefully it would be something a little a little less sadistic than some of the games <laughs> we we chose. I think I think I could deal with like Pong coming to life like that. I could deal with. Um, Cubert's pretty cute in the movie. Cubert's cute, like yeah, that. I could deal with the dog from Duck Hunt. I could deal with anything else. Starts to get a little dangerous. But the dog in Duck Hunt only he doesn't do anything. It just like That's picks why the ducks like up him. and brings yeah. it to you. So he's friendly. That would be a rubbish alien invasion. Be sort of helpful aliens <laughs> bringing you bird bird life. You do steal many of the scenes in this movie, and and uh, the the one in particular springs to mind when Ludlow and Adam Sandler's character are all brought together to to kind of tackle the alien invasion. Yeah, and you're put in charge temporarily of a group of Navy SEALs. Yes, and you are charged with giving them a motivational talk. I'm assuming inspired by the beginning of Full Metal Jacket. Yes, a little bit, and it just turns into um, the most awkward pep talk of all time i mean he's just rather than uh rather than getting them excited he sort of just attacks them and and does so in in a manner unbecoming to somebody who's never actually served um but it's pretty funny and and outlandish and crazy at the same time and it was a thrill because i just got to riff and play because these guys are 
These are like enormous. They're like mountain. They're, they're giants. Like the mountain in Game of Thrones, all of them. Yes, they are. The mountain, it's a mountain range. It's like the mountain, the hound, and their unknown brothers. Yeah. And there's you giving them just enormous. And like, I'm Tyrion Lannister in that situation. You are, yes. Well, yeah. in terms of like prospect and uh, yes. ratios. Yes, exactly. Like they're just, they eat me alive in it. They eat me alive and, I'm, and I have to use my wits. Mostly improv Mostly improv Speaking mm-hmm. of Tyrion Lannister, how good is Peter Dinklage in it? Peter Dinklage is great. And the best. He's great. Did you, because you had a, you had a big, big hair in jobs. Yes. Did you share any kind of like grooming tips with Peter? Because he, he wears some kind of a mullet in this movie. No, I think that Peter wore it better. Really? Yeah. He, my job in, my hair in jobs was, was a train wreck. His hair is, it actually has artistic merit to it. It's actually, it's got a beautiful flow. It has got, it has got um, flow. Now, Peter is, is I'm obsessed with Game of Thrones. Are you? So one of the coolest experiences working on Pixels was being able to watch the final episodes of season four alongside of him. It was just surreal. I geeked out. That's awesome. And he's just so, like, he's just so good on the show that you're like... So, wait, you actually sat down and watched the end of season four of Game of Thrones with Peter Dinklage? With Peter Dinklage at his home, at his apartment. That's phenomenal. It was crazy. Because that's kind of, apart from the, the battle of, um, I've totally forgotten the name of it now, Blackwater. Right. Those are his moments, aren't they, at the end of that season? Oh, my God. And with his dad amazing. and that whole yeah. thing. It was crazy. Yeah. And I immediately started annoying him and asking him questions. What happens now? What are they going to do? So is he, is he kind of like, is he kind of deadpan watching it completely dead? Does he have any facial expression watching himself? In his yeah, movie? he's critical of himself, actually. Mm. And, and he's, he internalizes it. Like, it's so funny because for me, I just, I do, it's one of those shows that you watch and you just get lost in. Mm. And I'm sure for the entire cast of that show, it's... It's not that they take it for granted, but they were there for six months in some extreme weather, shooting some oftentimes difficult scenes. So they have to, uh, you know, they have that baggage as well. But they all know that they're on one of the most significant special event shows of all time. Yeah, it's awesome. How do you think Olaf would fare north of the wall? I think he would probably, hopefully he'd be smart enough to to just uh, pretend to be a white walker yeah. <laughs> and and just kind of go into hiding, right? Camouflage yeah, himself. That's exactly what he'd do, isn't it? He'd just sort of try and blend in with the white walkers yeah. and see how it went. Yeah, it would be his best chance for survival. <laughs> Talking about, um, Peter, all of you guys, really, um, the sequence with the minis Listen where Pac-Man that. comes to, to New York. How did that work? I mean, I guess you had stunt drivers as well, but but what do you, what was your kind of giant Pac-Man um, it was marker. like a giant green screen sometimes. Other times it was a tennis ball. And uh, Chris Columbus's voice screaming at us, telling us what Pac-Man was going to do to us at any given moment. Uh, need to shout out, give a shout out to Chris Columbus, our director, who is, he's the conductor of some of the greatest visual soundtracks uh, of my childhood, whether it was um, Gremlins or Goonies. Or Home Alone and Mrs. Doubtfire, or, or you know, creating the world of Harry Potter in the first two. Mm. He's just so good at that stuff, and and marrying um, characters to um, extremely high concept stories, and you know, so he he being at the helm of this really helped us to picture and imagine everything that we were sort of coming up against. That's pretty cool. It must have been a temptation to sort of geek out about some of those childhood. It wasn't child- a temptation. I, I I crossed the line. <laughs> Chris, how did you come up with sloth and chunk and everything? I mean, Goonies is just such. I don't know why it just it's, it's such a great movie. The Navy going back to the Navy Seals. Yes, were they actually Navy? They weren't Navy Seals. Some of them were. Were they? Some of them were. So, and, and some of them threatened me like Navy SEALs after did I they? finished it. I was going to say, because in, an, in another sequence soon afterwards, there's, there's, there's quite a lot of rump slapping on your behalf. Yes. Of SEAL ass, I yes. guess you'd say. Um, I just wonder what the protocol is as an actor for doing that. And then, you know, when Chris shouts, cut, 
what do you just go sorry guys or is it just like you know that's something that happened deal with it or i mean i I get behind security personnel and i say just deal with it guys and then i as they lunge at me, I'm, I'm protected by the uh, the onset security staff. How big are the onset security? No, they're uh, everybody was so game, and mm. and you know you know what you're getting yourself into, and it was just it's, <laughs> the character's so crazy that yeah, sort of anything goes mentality was established early. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Your gaming pedigree were you were you an arcade as a kid, and what was your what was your what, what game did you get your highest score on? Well, I sort of grew up. I was born in 1981, so I sort of grew up uh, into the tail end of the arcade movement, which my brothers were more immersed in, and into the world of home console, Nintendo gaming. Um, Hence Duck Hunt. Hence Duck Hunt. Do you remember Mike Tyson's Punch-Out? I love Mike Tyson's Punch-Out. Really good at that, although I did use cheat codes. What? I admit it now. To beat Tyson? Yeah, I couldn't beat it on my own. Piston Honda, though, you could take down, presumably. Which one? Piston Honda. Piston Honda. I forgot all their names. What's the? Uh, That's all I can remember. What was the other one? Grapefruit. But it was classic. And Pixels talks about this. There's the, the combinations. You just learn the yes, patterns. The pattern. Pixel right. plays on that a little bit, doesn't it? I was really good at Galaga yeah. in terms of arcade gaming. Terrible at Pac-Man. Loved it, but terrible <sighs> at it. Mrs. Pac-Man better at. Mrs. Pac-Man. <laughs> More <laughs> of an incentive. Um, I have to before I let you go. Frozen 2 has to be mentioned. You've said that you don't know anything at this point. Nothing. What is next for you, though? Do you, do you you get the script at some point soon and have a date for, for getting back in the booth? And I'm sure. I mean, yeah, I'm sure that that'll be the process. I, you know, I only preliminarily, preliminar, preliminarily know uh, <laughs> what the direction they're taking is, and it sounds wonderful, but... Um, in terms of what's happening with our characters, um, I don't know. So we'll see. I, presumably it'll be soon. You'd like him to, to team up with some White Walkers, potentially? Potentially, I think it would be really cool to see Olaf's dark side. <laughs> <laughs> um, Not sure Disney would be on board. But you have you have daughters. I do, two little girls. Two little girls. And Did I read somewhere that... That obviously, you, you're working with Billy Crystal for a TV project. Yes. Comedians. And they're bigger fans of Mike Wachowski in Monsters yeah, than my, they are my, Frozen. Yeah, my daughter, Ava, my oldest daughter, is such a Mike Wachowski fan. It's obnoxious. So, she, you know, I do the Olaf voice for her all the time. She could care less. Billy walks in the door, does an impression of Wachowski, game over. She's just like, that's the greatest thing I've ever seen. Like go live with, then go live with Wazowski. Go be Boo in his closet, because I'm done. <laughs> Amazing. Josh, I'm going to let you go, but it's been a real pleasure. Thank Thanks you for so much for having me. Josh Gardner, lovely guy. Shame I wasn't around to talk to him, actually, because uh, I would love to speak to him about Book of Mormon, with which I am utterly obsessed. Uh, anyway, uh, time for this week's reviews. There's really only one show in town this week at the cinemas. That's the return of Tom Cruise as Ethan Hunt in Mission Impossible Rogue Nation. And in which Ethan and the IMF face their deadliest threat yet, whispering Sean Harris. <laughs> he's back. In fact, he wasn't around in the first place. But anyway, he's back. He, lo- <laughs> he loves rocks and he loves fighting Ethan Hunt. Uh, what do we make of this one? Um, I had a blast. I think I, I tweeted uh, Ollie Richards occasionally of this parish after I got out with the simple word, "wee," <laughs> and, and he tweeted the same thing back. So, you know, go figure. Uh, okay. It is, yeah, it's a, it's an absolute blast. So it starts off with the bit you've seen in the trailers of Tom Cruise trying to infiltrate a a, a plane as it takes off, uh, which he is not on board, which, which kind of sets the tone. A lot of really, really, really impressive action scenes in this film, even given the high standard of action this summer. And a lot of it is very practically done, which is, mm. which is fun to watch as well. Yeah, nary, nary a green screen shot in this movie, I, I would say. There's... A couple of bits, a couple maybe, yeah. Yeah, but, but I was really impressed by how, how practical everything was. Definitely. Um, and that's, I think, a lot of that is down to Cruz because he is incredibly mm-hmm. gung-ho and will do things that men half his age would bulk at. Um, he, uh, according to Simon Pegg, when they got to Casablanca to do their car scenes, Simon Pegg asked the stunt coordinator who would be doing the driving and the stunt coordinator said, I don't have anyone better than Tom. 
<laughs> so, uh, so you know that that's kind of a testament. But yeah, anyway, he did all the driving in Jack Reacher, for example. Exactly. Yeah, you know. he knows his stuff. He knows his stuff. Um, and so does Chris McQuarrie, actually. Christopher McQuarrie, who uh, writes and directs. Uh, Drew Pierce, obviously, was also involved in this story, mm-hmm. which I think is one of the reasons it's quite so zingy and a little bit unexpected. Um, but basically, uh, Ethan Hunt becomes convinced that there is this um, thing called the Syndicate. Uh, no one else really believes him. He gets proof when he is kidnapped by. Uh, Sean Harris's sinister Solomon, and uh, and taken to be tortured uh, by the by the very mysterious Ilsa Faust, which is a slightly on the nose name, but anyway, uh, she's played by Rebecca Ferguson, not the X Factor one, uh, the actress from mm-hmm. the White Queen. She is incredible. Anyway, mm-hmm. uh, she she's set to to torture him, but instead actually helps him escape, and uh, and it becomes unclear why she might have done that. Good guy, bad guy, we're not sure. Mm. Anyway, at the, around the same time, Cruz is completely cut off from the IMF, which has been disbanded at the pest of CIA director Alec Baldwin. Um, <gasps> and he's he's left on a one-man mission to track down this global organization and try and convince anybody to help him, essentially. Um, so that's basically the setup. Uh, he does manage to get back in touch with Simon Pegg's Benji, who becomes his initial kind of partner in crime, inevitably and, and you know, welcomely, if you will, uh, Jeremy Renner uh, William Bra- as Will Brandt and um, Ving Rhames Luther also come in to help him. Luther! Luther. Um, but, uh, but basically that's kind of the setup. And he comes mm-hmm. back into contact with, with Ilsa, who has um, more mysterious tasks that she could do with his help with. Dun, 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 dun. So what did um, you think of this, Chris? Yeah, I thought it was fantastic. Um, I, I'm, I can't quite decide in my head whether it's the best of the series. I think it might be. It might be, which, yeah. Which uh, five films into a franchise for that to happen is uh, increasingly not rare, to be fair, <laughs> but is, is, is something that is to be commended. Uh, Fast Five obviously managed obviously. to do it. Uh, Police Academy with... Uh, <laughs> Assignment Miami Beach managed to do it. Um, yeah, I, I thought right from the off, uh, it's really interesting. Their big stunt that they've been heralding in the uh, in the poster and the trailers and all sorts. The Tom Cruise clinging, actually clinging to the side of a plane. Yes, he was strapped on, um, so to speak. Uh, but but still, but still, yeah. Would you do that? I don't know that I would. It's funny that sequence because it, it just launches straight into it. It's like an old Bond, yeah. the way Bond films used to open with a big sequence early on. Yeah. And uh, it's phenomenal. Mm. It's yeah. almost the best thing in the movie in a way in terms of just the pure. There's some good chases and stuff, but I, that sequence is just like, wow. Just wow. It's I ridiculous. The bit with yeah. the water was probably what got me most uh, interested. The, you've seen, again, in the trailer, you've seen him sort of plummeting into this kind of maelstrom um, yeah, the, the the payoff for that scene I thought was absolutely terrific. I like that scene too. It's, all the action sequences are very. It's such a confident franchise yeah. now. It knows exactly what it's doing. It gets, it's going to entertain you for, for for two and a bit hours, mm. and uh, you come out and you had a good time. And it doesn't necessarily linger. You don't sort of think about the plot machinations for that much afterwards necessarily. But it was fun. Um, it, the action sequences are all good. I just think that first one because it's such yeah. an old school movie experience. No, there's no trickery. You know that Tom Cruise strapped himself to that plane. He did it like five or six times. You know it was crazy dangerous. Do you know I've still seen people who don't who doubt that he did it. Really? Yeah. Well, I was on a I was on a, a website the other week and someone was going, "Oh, it's obviously CG." In fact, you could even see the bit where it becomes CG. Right. And it's like, well, no, because we, there were okay. paparazzi on. <laughs> yeah, but and this we've is seen the shots yeah. of him actually taking off while attached to a plane, <laughs> and then yeah, you know, the moon landing never happened. Yeah, it's it's kind of it's kind of it's kind of weird. Um, I will say one thing about the practical stunts in this movie is possibly the main reason why this movie was able to be released when it when it was. It was originally scheduled for Christmas, yeah. uh, one week after uh, Star Wars: The Force Awakens, and then Paramount brought it forward very late in the day, around March, wasn't it? I think, I think they it brought was, it forward. Yeah. Um, we joked in the podcast that we'd love to have been a fly on the wall uh, whenever Chris McQuarrie took that phone call. Um, but I think that the fact that everything is so practical allowed them to make. Their, mm-hmm. I mean, they were they were still filming a couple of weeks ago. I think as far as like as far as yeah, I'm aware. They were. Uh, so you know, this to to get this movie uh, as coherent uh, as it is, uh, it, it's a fantastic film. Mm-hmm. I think it's uh, it's it's really terrific, really it's thrilling. Really good. And also, it, it I think will mm-hmm. be a star making performance for Ferguson, yes. who is yeah. lovely. Yes. She is absolutely lovely, and 
and so kind of old school Hollywood. She's been compared by a lot of people I know to Ingrid Bergman yeah. in mm. Casablanca. I think that's where the name comes from, if I'm honest. Um, but also she's just got this mix of charisma and sort of reserve and yeah. just mystery about her that is utterly brilliant. And she's stunning as well. And she is stunning, yeah. yeah. She's she's really making me doubt my loyalty towards Rebecca Ferguson. The other Rebecca the other Ferguson. Re- oh my goodness. Yeah. That is... I now have two Rebecca Fergusons fine for my attention and this is you know, a guy. <laughs> what a tough decision for you. Uh, it's a really tough decision for me. Um, but uh, yeah, that, she, she's fantastic. Uh, Cruz is great. One of the things that's interesting about this film is that Mission Impossible 3 uh, I think in particular, um, maybe Mission Impossible 2 with that, that interminable love story with Tandy Newton's character. Yeah. Uh, and that's, be frank, Mission Impossible 2 is the worst of the franchise yeah. by a country mile. But 3 obviously tried to, I think, deepen and broaden Ethan Hunt's character because before that we didn't really know anything about him. So it introduced a wife and the idea that he wanted to life outside the IMF. And this movie completely jettisons that. There's no mention of Michelle Monaghan who returned at the end of, of 4 um, and you could read the ending of four as you know either he's going to watch over her for the rest of his life or he's saying goodbye to her because he knows that you know to be married to him is to endanger someone permanently. Uh, but in this one, there's just no mention of a wife whatsoever, mm-hmm. which allows him to have crackling sexual tension with Simon uh, with Rebecca <laughs> Ferguson, which is. Which is great. You know, I think their relationship is really one of the most intriguing things about the film. It um, is interesting. I very much hope if they are going to do this sixth film, I very much hope she's back because I thought she was absolutely terrific. She certainly made more of an impact, I think, than, say, Will Brandt did in, in number four. Um, uh, yeah. And we should also say, by the way, you know, full marks to uh, Simon Pegg because he's hilarious in it. He's very funny. He's very good at reacting when Tom Cruise does something completely insane. <laughs> you know, like, I mean, uh, Ian picked it out at the beginning of the review, but... Uh, Simon Pegg going, are you sure you're okay to drive? Because like five minutes ago you were technically dead. You know, this is this is, uh, this is is a good kind of character mm. to have in there. You need that kind of voice of reason, I think. Agreed. Uh, yeah, great set pieces. I think it's got a couple of slight weaknesses. I think, um, you know, Sean Harris, his villain is not developed as much as he could have been mm-hmm. and maybe isn't quite as menacing a presence as he could have been. Uh, and the third act, again, a bit like... The, the last movie, Ghost Protocol, goes smaller. And there's nothing wrong with going smaller and it goes very twisty and turny and it, it, there's a really good turn from Tom Hollander and we'll give away who he plays, but it's really, really fun. Uh, but it's interesting that it starts huge, man, clinging to the side of a plane. Then there's a great set piece at the Austria, uh, op, uh, mm. the Vienna Opera opera House. And then there's more twisty, turny, heist, intrigue. And then it's quite small mm. at the end. Uh, but I really like it's that. It's mostly two yeah. people running around Temple in London. Yeah. Um, but yeah, fantastic. Uh, and I think Jeremy Renner maybe spends more of this film staring at the screen than he would like to and commenting on the action rather than being part of the action. But um, again, in, uh, yeah, there could be interesting times. He's, he's very fun actually in this. Yeah. Um, I think it's the second time this year where we've seen him make something out of a role that was nothing last time. Yeah, agreed, agreed. Okay, so there really only only is one show in town this week, and that is Mission Impossible Rogue Nation, uh, which you may have already seen by the time you listen to the podcast, but but there you go. Uh, we we had at one point hoped to line up a spoiler special for that uh, movie with uh, Christopher McQuarrie coming in, but uh, sadly he's in the States at the moment uh, and couldn't fit it into his schedule. Uh, but we're hoping at some point, and we, we believe that he's open to the idea, so uh, hopefully at some point we'll be able to you know, disguise yourself as someone else and <laughs> drag him into the pod booth and, and make that happen. In the meantime, if you do like our spoiler specials, there's a, a cracking one for Ant-Man with Peyton Reed, uh, which is uh, available at the moment. Uh, there are some other films out this week. Uh, one is Iris, the documentary Iris, and, yes. and Helen is perfectly placed to tell us all about it. I am. Um, it was. It's an Albert Maisel's documentary so mm-hmm. instantly you know it's worth worth looking at worth talking about and indeed it is very good it's about a 93 year old new yorker called iris apfel um and she is a fascinating woman she was an interior decorator for years she uh she and her husband ran a company which would recreate old or interesting fabrics from from history and from around the world so that would help obviously with her interior decoration but also it just means that she spent a fascinating life traveling um you know being involved with beautiful things and beautiful um, beautiful clothing in particular, and she's always had bags of style. So basically, she has spent much of the last 93 years 
collecting fabulous things, clothes, jewellery, whatever. And she's now become a style icon and people have been putting on exhibitions of her of her belongings and her style and her clothes. She's got these trademark enormous big glasses. Um, she's she's a character. She's fascinating, as is her husband, who um, who's coming up on a hundred as we meet him in this in this film. Uh, so it's just a really interesting couple of people, and it's one of these documentaries. It's not you know it's not a big huge you know sweeping story. It's not something that's going to trouble Michael Moore, but it is mm. a really fascinating portrait of a person and a life in the way that you know. Maisel's um, was really the best at, I guess. Mm. So, um, so yeah, it's a, it's a beautiful personality piece, um, a real real study of kind of creativity and and passion, and just somebody with immense amounts of personality. Fantastic! Really enjoyed it. Four stars, we gave it. Four stars for Iris. Uh, brilliant. Um, and we should mention also out this week, there's the Adam Sandler dramedy, The Cobbler, which uh, we hadn't seen at the time of recording the podcast. Uh, it is meant to be tremendously awful which is weird because it's a Tom McCarthy movie yeah um, Tom McCarthy that. movie uh, in which Adam Sandler plays a cobbler who finds that he has a magic cobbling device that allows him to assume the identity of uh, anyone whose shoes he fixes shoes he wears yeah yeah he fixes and then he wears them and he becomes that person but uh, you know in the right hands could be a whimsical delight but you know check it out uh, there's also the Sofia Figara Reese Witherspoon on the run midnight run-esque comedy Hot Pursuit um, so uh, which we gave three stars to. Uh, so there you go. If you're if you're a fan of Sofia Vergara and Reese Witherspoon, and who isn't? Quite who frankly, isn't? who isn't? And films being not as good as Midnight Run, then then go and check that one out as well. Okay, that's it for this week's Empire Podcast. Join us next week for more film-related fun. We will be joined by one of the stars of Judd Apatow's Trainwreck. <gasps> We don't know who it is at the moment. It could be either Amy Schumer or Bill Hader. We like to live life on the edge that way. Uh, or we haven't checked our email about that. One, one of the two. One of the two. Uh, until then, uh, Phil, how's your experience been on Empire? <laughs> Hugh Jackman. <laughs> <laughs> Hugh, the Hugh Jackman thing has been a revelation. <laughs> yeah, it really has. It's, it's like my new whale noises. Was Helen I don't know Hugh what you mean. <laughs> been really good. How's my experience been? Yeah. Loved it. No, it's been fun. Thanks for having me. Bye. Bye. Bye, Phil. And it's goodbye from Helen. Hello. Bye, bye. Uh, bye, <laughs> bye. And it's goodbye for me. I'm off to apologise to Tom York for any offence caused. I'm I'm really sorry, Tom. Beep, 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 beep.